In the new paradigm of video marketing, it's increasingly important to understand what it takes to make your investment in using video work in a smart and often automated way. That's why when we heard our guest, Ali Gardner, talk at Wistia Fest last month, we knew we had to get him on the show so he could share his message with our audience. revolution is here and it's changing how we do business learn how to use video to engage customers and drive results here on the video marketing 2.0 podcast with your hosts joel gubich and brendan carty Welcome to Video Marketing 2.0, the video marketing podcast, where we discuss the use of video for all of your marketing and business needs. My name is Brendan Carty. I am the head writer and creative story lead at ThinkMojo, and I'm joined, as always, by my colleague, director of business development at ThinkMojo, Joel Gubich. Now, Joel, we're recording this on a Friday, so I'm assuming you're in a pretty good mood today. Is that right? Great mood. We're recording it before July 1st, before the, uh, the big weekend. What are your plans? Or what, basically, what do you plan to drink this weekend? Let's just cut to the chase. Is this well, a beer weekend? Is this a liquor weekend? Fourth of July has got to be a beer weekend. And, you know, we have America beer coming soon, don't we? That's true. You have to drink America brand beer, which uh, I guess Budwe- is Budweiser's new play into their uh, you know, vast uh, marketing or advertising successes. But speaking of marketing, today, Joel, we have a very special guest. I know we say that about every guest. There has never been an unspecial guest on the show. But I feel like this one is, uh, th- this one is more uh, sincerely special. Uh, we met him at Wistia Fest, and he, has, he gave a very, uh, very interesting uh, presentation about conversions. And I think every, anybody who is listening to this show in one form or another is interested in how to turn people, visitors to your website, people who just sort of on the outside of you know knowing who you are, turning those people into real customers. And our guest today, Ali, is a master at that. Uh, he is the co-founder of Unbounce. Unbounce, if you're not familiar with it, basically is the master of landing pages. They take, they have all these tools and formulas and very long algorithms that take multiple chalkboards to uh, to, to explain, which maybe Ali will get into. Uh, they, they turn all. They have the uh, the formula for turning your visitors into customers. So his name is Ali Gardner, once again the co-founder of Unbounce. And Ali, I'd like to welcome you to the show. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Thanks for having me on. So Ali, you know we we live in this world of instant gratification, right? Where the one thing that people love more than anything is you know to to have their problem solved immediately. And I think that what you present is something that I, it touches that nerve. You call it conversion automation. And I think that when, you know, in what we do, that just sound, it just sounds like the, you know, the golden elixir. Like, yes, I want to press a button and turn all of my, you know, would-be customers into, you know, loyal uh, acolytes of, of whatever I'm selling. So first of all, before we get too deep into it, what is conversion automation? Like, what, what are we talking about here? Yeah, well, if you think um, something people are familiar with, marketing automation, that's sending reactive responses to people. Uh, conversion automation, though, is having targeted, relevant, proactive triggers for people in the right format at the right time. So they're on your landing pages or on your website. They are uh, 
it's it's looking at the behavior that's happening on the page and it's analyzing that and then making it perform better by you know suggesting changes you could make um, based on the collective data we have. Uh, so it's kind of it's running in the background. I mean, this is something we're working on. We haven't it isn't finished yet at all, but it's something that will run in the background and it will give you insights that you didn't really even know existed. So it's sort of this way of like constantly tailoring your approach so that you're always responding to you know the uh, the little fits and starts of your your customers' behaviors, so that you're always giving them what it seems like they're looking for. Yeah, I mean, if you think of uh, one situation, um, well, the beauty of this is we don't really know where it's going to go because machine learning is a, a really strange kind of thing. It, it brings to light things we hadn't even considered. But uh, And people need to not be scared by the automation part. But if you think about how people interact when you come to a website, there's lots of devices that marketers are using. There are welcome mats. There are exit intent overlays overlays that come up when you scroll a certain depth or after a certain time. There are these different ways people are using to interact and collect leads. Now, imagine if they are all tested at the same time. So not testing copy or button color, testing these different interaction modes and then figuring out, oh, on this page, this one works the best. On the features page, maybe that one works the best. On your pricing page, you shouldn't do anything because it scares people off at the most critical part. And then taking it deeper pushing through to, say, cohort analysis where you can go see who your ideal customer actually is. And maybe it wasn't the one that performed the best. It was one a couple of steps down conversion-wise, but that drove the ideal customer. So that's where it's going to get like really interesting in terms of making sure it does, it does the right thing, behaves in the right way. And, and it's not like it'll be doing stuff automatically. It'll still ask for permission. You know, I found these insights. Would you like to de- try this kind of thing? But ask it in such a way that uh, almost like a lawyer, you know the answer before you ask it? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Um, you know, with the way that uh, we have automated copywriting services already, they, they, can probably, they can probably speak in a pretty natural way as if they're not a machine. You had mentioned something at the end of uh, your uh, what you just said about uh, talking to you or listening to you, uh, and that that's an interesting thing because a lot of landing pages that I've looked at in the past or used really don't use the power of visual. So, video. How does video play onto a landing page? Many ways. Um, it can just be you know a regular old embedded video. It can be a background video. They're very common now. We just built background videos into Unbounce. But that's something you have to be careful with. You know, they can be very distracting. I think they can create a really great atmospheric uh, experience, but I think we have to be responsible as tool providers and just as, as marketers that we use these things in the right way. So for a video background, I might suggest that you have that further down the page in an experiential kind of place rather than at the top with your headline in front of it so people are distracted and can't really read it. Um, you know, these new interaction design and video design and everything, these trends that come around every year, they can be dangerous if they're not done in the right way because because they're new, people don't really have the experience to know how to do them right. So that's kind of our job to guide people so they don't you know, mess it up. Let's talk for a second about the clarity score. I know that this is something that you mentioned in your presentation at Wistia Fest. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that one thing that we're you know always trying to uh, do, whether it's through video or 
uh, designing a landing page is we want to portray our value, right? We're always, and I think it's been in the recent trend in, in marketing, you know, the whole marketing to the mission, right? You, you speak about why you, you do things, but sometimes we can lose sight of the, the simple things, what we do. And like, so we're not really being clear. We're kind of speaking over the heads of uh, our, our audience, our, our viewers. So what is the clarity score? What, what does it tend, what, what does it attempt to quantify? Mm-hmm. Well, this is part of the overall conversion equation, or it's actually conversion equations now. I'm, I'm, I'm breaking it apart a little bit more. Uh, so the clarity equation, clarity is probably the most important aspect of conversion because if you can't communicate, you can't sell. Right? And, and it's one of my biggest pet peeves is going to websites where they don't actually tell you what they do. <laughs> they just have some uh, hyperbolic gibberish that doesn't make any sense. I shared an example at Wistafest where they said marketing software about eight times on the page, but they didn't tell you what kind of marketing software. So clarity is very important. Now, the equation breaks down into seven sub-equations. Uh, the first one's distraction, which is you know how many things on the page are distracting you from the message. I will just. Uh, we'll keep that one in there. Perfect timing, <laughs> distraction. I love that. <laughs> I know, that'll, that'll save us on sound effects. That's perfect. Um, actually, just to rewind a little bit, clarity, the reason it's important, when I, I talk about clarity, it's usually for your value proposition, which is the above the fold immediate experience that someone gets when they arrive on your page. So the distractions in that case are, will be links and other interactive devices that maybe background video that take you away from immediately understanding what the message is. There's expectation, which is, there's always pre-click context, whether someone clicked on an ad or a link in an email or they had search intent. When they arrive on the page, you have to mirror, you have to deliver on the promise you were making. So the expectation is met and also your call to action needs to take that further and actually describe that you are going to get what you were looking for. Um, readability is quite a large part. There are many aspects to that. Is it easy to read based on the language? How complex is it? Um, you can readability-score.com. You can paste text in there. It'll tell you, you know, whether you have to be a, a master's degree student to be able to understand the, the copy. Uh, there's the contrast. Is it easy to read the text with the color of the background? Again, that comes back to video backgrounds. That, that can kind of blur the lines where you're like, oh, it's hard to read. There's reading facility, which is if you have sliders, a promo slider or testimonials that move automatically, you can't often, you don't even have the facility to read the whole message because it moves away. So there are many factors in readability. The fourth one is visual identification. Can you understand what a product or service is, what the offer is, based on looking at the primary image, the hero shot, in isolation? Uh, Many of these things you figure out the score by doing things like a five-second test or, you know, putting the text through readability score, uh, the contrast calculator, all these things to plug in the values. Uh, Immediacy, can you do all these things in five seconds? Specificity, are the important details there or are they buried somewhere else on the page? And then hyperbole, so how stuffed with self-congratulatory language is your your headline? (laughs) So all of these things come together, you know, and if you score them based on the, the, uh, the equation, you'll get a chart of these seven things from zero to one on each one. And you'll be able to see, oh, we're great at this, great at that, terrible readability and poor immediacy. Now you know 
where to optimize. You can run the same experiments you just did, like rapid experimentation, five second tests, really quick. And just try and improve the clarity by making some changes. And it's a, it's a, the goal of this is to be an optimization framework, something that tells you where you're going wrong and how to fix it. We'll have all of this on the show notes page, so you'll be able to go and see that at uh, videomarketing20.net. So I think um, there you use an acronym for this, right? Something um, a Dervish, I think you mentioned. Yes, Dervish. Okay, yeah, dervish. just to make okay, it a so little bit. We want everybody to Dervish uh, in order to be able to have a great clarity score. <laughs> Whirling dervishes everywhere. Yes. Is so, there uh, a you specific amount of time that uh, the optimum time that somebody needs to be on a page in order for it to convert? Uh, no, it's more that there the impatience factor that many people will leave quite quickly if if you don't communicate exactly what you are and why I should care about it. But when someone does understand that and they're interested, they'll spend as long as you know. Well, as long as you keep them interested, and it depends on the complexity. An ebook download, you don't need to spend much time. You just go, eh, that's interesting. I'll get it. But something you're going to pay for, software or something where you might have to go talk to your boss, blah blah blah. That kind of stuff takes a lot longer, obviously. Now, Ali, you mentioned about uh, you know contextualizing the content. You want to meet the expectation, and you know mm-hmm. it sets up uh, something that I think ties in with uh, the use of video because a lot of times there's a there's this assumption that my video is going to say everything, right? That's why I'm making a video so that I can express everything, and they just sort of put it on the page. Now, what would you suggest for people? You know how to frame the video. You mentioned sometimes putting it above the fold is actually a bad place to put it because it, it just at a glance, a static image of a video doesn't tell you anything. So, what we, what I try to sometimes explain to people is, you know, like make sure that your video is complemented by the the uh, material, the content that's on the page. Uh, so, how how do you deal with that? How do you advise people on the place to not only put the video but just how to frame it on the page? Yeah, actually, uh, it's interesting. Looking at Wistia data, keeping it above the fold is the best place for the highest engagement rate. As soon as you go below that, it, it drops off because I guess there are other competing things and it's not a priority for them. A form, on the other hand, from unbalanced data, we've shown that it's quite optimal to have it a bit further down the page, probably so you're not shouting at someone with a bunch of form fields as soon as they arrive. Um, so yeah, the fold has to be treated correctly. Forms can go down, your call to action can go down the page. That encourages people to hunt, but keep your video above. Um, there are yeah, many ways you can in- increase the likelihood that someone will click to play your video. One, having, having uh, the thumbnail, the default, the uh, poster frame that's there on your video, that's really important. If you just have this auto-generated, uh, blurred kind of thing of... of a bad screenshot or someone looking weird, that's not going to entice them to play. If you have something a bit different or quirky and eye contact, that's more likely to encourage the play. Um, having a caption is great because not everybody has their headphones on or even has headphones. So they might not, their instinct might not be to play, but if there's a caption that describes the benefit of watching this video, um, that can make them go, okay, I'll put my headphones on, I'll, I'll make an effort to watch this video because it sounds really cool. So that's important. Um, the length is also important. Engagement goes down the longer the video is. Uh, some amazing data from Wistia that I shared at Wistia Fest. It, it was incredible because 
I reached out to Ezra. Actually, no, they reached out to me and they said, hey, do you need any data for your talk? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that would be it. They gave me a, a few things which made me curious. So then I started asking questions. Well, what about this? What about that? So we pulled completely new data that no one in the world had ever seen before. WSDFest was the first time it was shared. And the WSDA team hadn't even seen this before. It was just me and Ezra. So it was great to be able to share that with everyone. Uh, fascinating stuff. Like if you think about the types of CTA call to action that are in a video, they're using a Wistia video. There are three different kinds. You can have a turnstile, which is you know partway through. It asks for an email address to continue. There's an annotation up in the top right corner that can appear whenever you want, stay as long as you want. And then there are full screen kind of interstitial CTAs that appear. And then I think you can skip them away. They just go away again. So different ones. And the copy you use on those uh, influences how often it's clicked, but in a dramatically different way. Uh, the full screen one versus the annotation are bipolar. Like they're complete opposites. If you think of words like click and click here, uh, now for urgency, exclamation points, and my and your, what we found out that on, in an annotation, because it's up to the right there, saying click here works better because I guess you're dr driving people over to that location. Uh, now urgency works, exclamation points work, and your beat my. Then you look at the full screen one that's in someone's face. It was click, not click here. You don't need to know to click here because it's right there. No exclamation points, don't say now, and it's my. So I guess it's more personal kind of experience because it's this big thing right in front of you. So they're complete opposites. And usually, you know, maybe you read a blog post and you get some insight that certain things work. If you then apply them everywhere, you're going to hurt your business. So that's what's going to be fascinating. Finding out these real, every conversion opportunity is unique. And the more we find that out, the, the more we can optimize everything. Um, but the other one, the turnstile, the optimal place to put that is about 25% through the video because then you've got people paying attention to your story and they're more likely to put the email address in to continue doing that. And the data showed that when you do that, the engagement, the average engagement rate of a video based on Wistia data is 50%, how far people get through the video. When, you, when they put in their email address, it goes to 67%, which obviously is because there's an exchange of social currency. They've made a transaction, they've paid for it, so they're going to watch longer. So it's, it's really, really interesting. Yeah, the, there's a, that got us thinking of, uh, you know, different ways to tailor the video content around the turnstiles so that you right. almost leave people on this sort of cliffhanger, you know, maybe 15, 16 seconds in, like, who did shoot JR? Give me your email address. <laughs> oh, you were aging you. yourself there. Uh, that's, that was before I was born, so I don't care. It's just a pretty big reference, I guess. Um, yeah, the, you know, so it, it, there are a lot of applications, I think, to not, it's not just about, you know, finding a tool and say, okay, I'm just going to use it all throughout. It's about integrating it into every aspect of your, your content, even how you shoot the video or uh, conceive the video from the beginning. Yeah, and uh, another thing that's really exciting, again, this is Wistia, they have a new feature coming out very soon, which is called chaptering, which is basically, so you can put links with titles uh, beneath your on the timeline and beneath it to show like what the what the content is as you go through the video and from some of the experimentation they've done there was a car example and it was a video tour of of what this car is and they thought the company thought that people are most interested in 
kind of the, the detailed specs, the power, all of this kind of stuff. But when they looked at the engagement in the video, there was a spike when it got to the iPad-style console. That's what people were interested in, the technology and how they could touch the screen. So then based on that, you put a chapter there, the chapter link, so people can go, oh, a touch screen, cool, and jump right to it, which massively increases the engagement. And it means people get to the part that they're actually most interested in when really they wouldn't have got, many wouldn't have got there. You know, that, about the iPad uh, dashboard, I hope that the, the Audi whatever, 5 million, has really good safety features because apparently everyone is driving just playing with the iPad on the, on the Audi. So hopefully their airbags are good too. Right. I've got to tell you, I'm a little scared now because Tesla, their automated uh, pilot thing, the guy had a crash or died, probably yeah. looking at the iPad. On the no Tesla. way. Yeah, I've, uh, been that, in, uh, I've been in a Tesla and the screen is massive. It's, it, this is a massive console right in the middle. As uh, a friend of mine, Andre Maurice from Germany, he picked when we were speaking at his conference. He picked us up in his Tesla, and it was you have not felt acceleration until you've been in one of those. They're in, insane, <laughs> but yeah, it's a massive screen. That's you know, you, hopefully they'll build in some some kind of safeguards so you you can't do certain things while you're driving because that that is a little scary. Yeah, yeah. I think the I think the uh, invisible force field around the car is the logical next step. Definitely. But that's, I think that's a good spot to take a little break. Uh, we'll come back with Ali Gardner and talk a little bit more details, uh, get into the, uh, the granular stuff, as Joe likes to say. But first, just a, a brief word from one of our sponsors. A good video isn't good enough. You need a good video strategy as well. At ThinkMojo, we'll show you how to create a video marketing plan that gets results. It's totally free, and there's no obligation. Just visit thinkmojo.com slash consultation and set up your video strategy consultation today. A smart business needs a smart way to connect with customers. That's where smart video comes in. Tell your business story in 60 seconds or less with a smart explainer video that gets results. Go to thinkmojo.com forward slash explainer for detailed information. ThinkMojo, smart videos that get results. So we're back now with Ali Gardner, the co-founder of Unbounce. Uh, one thing that we haven't gotten to yet, which I think is very important uh, to all kinds of marketers, video marketers especially, is the calls to, call to action. I think that you know, in a lot, of, a lot of ways, people have become a little afraid of strong calls to action because they're considered very salesy and in your face. But you know, they, I guess there's this belief that as long as your content is brilliant, you'll just inspire people to what, like figure out the next steps on their own. Uh, so there is obviously still a need for strong calls to action. Now, the question is, how do we use them? How do we tailor them so that they're most effective? Well, there's the, some of the, the data we learn. You know, certain words are impactful and, and can help encourage people to click. But a lot of it is the context. How, how relevant is it? How useful? I mean, I ended my talk at Waste DFS talking about pop-ups and how everybody hates pop-ups and pop-ups are evil. Don't use pop-ups. But really, that's nonsense. Because if you do it in a delightful way, in a responsible manner, and you're giving people something they really need or want, then that's great. Um, an example, we, we acquired a, a tool called Rooster about a year ago. It does exit intent pop-ups. And so we have access to their, their data as well. And what, we're, what we notice is the average of a, like an exit intent pop-up is about three, 2 to 3.5%. A good one, 5%. An exceptional one, 8%. 
But we ran, we had a thing called Digital Agency Day. Uh, it was an online thing all day. Lots of presentations and different um, modes of watching things. And when you leave that page prior to it happening, it said, hey, would you like the videos, the recordings of everything? So again, coming back to video, that converted at uh, 19%, which is unheard of because it was something genuinely useful and re very related to what was there. Hey, you want to see these, these online presentations? Maybe you can't make it. Events are time-based. If you can't make it, oh, you'll get the recordings anyway. That's fantastic. So it's, it's delivering on the intent and the goal of the person who was there. Uh, we did the same thing for an event like that we did in Germany, and that converted at 27%. Someone suggested, the guy, one of the guys we brought with, with that company, that there are certain countries that are in a different place where maybe they don't, some of these interactive devices like pop-ups don't happen as much there. So there's still a little bit of a novelty and they haven't been you know, <laughs> driven to despair by having them everywhere. Uh, so again, that's, that's really interesting. Well, I'm, I'm curious if... That, you know, here in this country, um, it's abused or people feel it's abused. And therefore, even somebody who uses it smartly, yeah. um, people automatically, they, their hair already starts to stand on end when, they, when a pop-up comes up, even if it's something that they would want to sign up on. Mm -hmm. that's, um, that's why the, the, that mode is important. Like, when does it actually happen? Uh, is it after spending time on the page? Is it when you're leaving? And yeah, I mean, we have to get responsible with these things. It's our, it's our responsibility to do it right. Like, you know, we, I'm sure most people are familiar with Quick Sprout, like Neil Patel's blog and other, everything else he does. Like the, the abuse of pop-ups is, is, is terrible. He does very well through it, but you know, they're, uh, if you read the blog posts on there, most of the comments are about the pop-ups, not about the content, <laughs> which is hilarious. <laughs> Uh, but so yeah, and that the worse it gets in other places, you're right. The worse it can be when someone shows up at your site and goes, oh, "You as well? I thought you guys would never do that." You know, it's an, it's important to maintain your brand that you do do it correctly. Like we use it on a blog now. We resisted for a long time, um, but it's performing really well, and we've noticed no impact, no complaints. I guess because we're doing it properly. Um. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just got to be. I mean, and you can do it in a delightful manner. I mean, there's abuse, serious abuse, like psychological abuse, when you have these good cop, bad cop, yes, no things like, um, do you uh, want to download this book about conversion? Uh, yes, or no, I prefer being an idiot, you know? So then you're, you have to agree to something you don't believe or that, that's insulting. Yeah. So that that's abuse. Yeah. But then you see I always like that. No, I prefer to waste my money. Like uh, <laughs> right. But I I saw one that was a, a like a cloud. It wasn't a rectangle. It was a fluffy cloud pop up and it and it was the copy was delightful. It looked delightful and it made me smile when I saw it, you know. He can do it right. Well, that's uh I think that's part of listening to the person on the other end instead of projecting what we think they want. It's sort of listening to mm. what they really want. You know, we can perceive what they want, but now the person on the other end wants something different than most times in what we serve them. Yeah, and you see, you have to really track that stuff to, to make sure it's not having a negative impact because uh, short-term conversion metrics are not a good idea. You need to look below the surface. 
again, cohort analysis or like when you turn this on, do you suddenly have more customers, but what's the churn like? You know, are they leave, uh, canceling their accounts sooner? Because really they were, they're not the kind of people you want around and the people you do want around were turned off by it because it's not their style. Uh, you know, maybe, and one of the problems this is caused by are things like affiliate marketers because they don't care about the customer journey. They care about getting paid for that one conversion. So they don't care about your brand. They care about that. So they are focused on the short term. As a brand, as a product or service, you have to think differently from that and, and you know, really track the impact of these things. So we, we talked about attention and conversions and design. Um, and you talked at the at Wistia Fest about ADD, uh, and not the stuff <laughs> that I had as a kid or even as a grown up. But uh, and, and maybe I still have the ADD you're talking about. But so, w- what in your mind is ADD? Yeah, it's actually it, it works quite well as a, an opposing force to that ADD. It's attention driven design. So it's it's 23 design principles that you can use to get a competitive business advantage through design. Now, the reason I, I came up with this, it's an ebook with all these in, uh, is because no one's ever been taught how to design for conversion. Web and graphic designers are taught typography, grid systems, color theory, things like that, but they're not and UX best practices sometimes, if you're lucky, um, but they're not taught how to design for conversion. So these principles are all about focusing people's attention on what you want them to do uh, and to make the experience more delightful, simpler to understand, consume, you know, and, and it's, it's a good way of, when you understand the principles, if you can identify you have a design problem, then you can use these principles to fix it. So Ali, one thing, uh, I just want to take it back to, to video for a second. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we talk about conversions and we talk about video marketing. I think that, a lot of people have a, maybe a misconception about how a video can convert, right? I'm wondering if you have insights on this because, you know, there's some, some who expect that a video will, you know, turn into a sale and that it's sort of the only thing that they're going to need uh, in their marketing arsenal. In your analysis of landing pages with video, what's a realistic expectation for uh, the power of a video to kind of thing that is most likely going to happen even for a successful video that's let's say on your homepage right uh, it really depends on what you're trying to achieve in the video but one thing that's important to note and this is why analytics are so important is that maybe only 10% of people will actually watch your video so if you're if you're thinking that this is going to be some sales machine by putting it on there you're most likely wrong and that's why all those different ways of getting people to engage with it are really important. Um, it's, it's, and it's what you ask for. At what point in the video? Or what do you do at the end of a video? What we do for our webinars, at the end of the webinar, we have a demo of our software. So we've been, all the way through, we've been leading up to this point where we've been discussing something and then we'll, we'll show you how to do this inside the unbalanced landing page builder. So if you have video recordings or whatever the video is on your page, it's important to provide a next step that will take people down that customer journey or the conversion hierarchy, I like to call it. You know, how do you take them to the next step? One of the speakers, Matthew Sweezy at CTA Conf um, 
last week, me before, uh, was he had something really interesting how to, he speaks from a, authentic marketing automation is what he was talking about, and a really good way of pushing people to the next step. He was saying that authentic marketing is letting people find their own way, not pushing, not saying you should do this next. So he had a really cool way. So let's say you filled in a form, um, maybe it was inside a video, just a form on the confirmation page. Instead of giving them the one thing they requested, give them three. The thing they requested, something related to it, and then the third one is the next level piece of content. And then they get to self-select and find it, so they think they did it themselves. And this piece of content is driving them further down the funnel. And so you could do the same thing with video. Maybe there's a recommended next video or something. Um, yeah, that's a really smart way to continue that journey for people. And having shorter videos can really help as well. If you have 10 things in your video, make 10 shorter videos. You know, maybe because then kind of like the chaptering, maybe somebody wants to start at number four because they get the rest. You know, they don't want to sit through that because everyone's different. And if you let people self-select the parts of the video that are important to them, you'll be a lot more successful. Because if people drop off 30% and 15% of the way through because all of that stuff was simple stuff they already knew or already knew about you, you're like, well, I'm not learning anything here, so why should I watch it? So if you give people the ability to choose their own adventure, you'll be more successful. Would you say that that's an uh, underlying theme also in, in how to build a good landing page, something that converts, is as much as possible, let the person who gets there choose how they're going to interact with that page? Uh, no, it's kind of the opposite, really. Um, and that's why the ADD principles are there. Kind of, you need to focus people on doing that one, that one action on the page so, and make it as simple as possible to, for them to get there. That's why, let's see, you're doing whatever advertising you're doing, sending someone from an ad to your homepage, your website, is a terrible idea because they're not, they don't have a guided experience at that point. It's very different to video. And they're gonna, they could get lost, distracted by something else and not see the message you wanted for them. Or it just might, the message match might be terrible, like that expectation setting. You, know, you, click on, you search for something, click on an ad, when you get there, either it's not a close match because you have tons of ads put on your one homepage, and it's not this great match that so people go, oh, that's not what I was asking for. Or they go wandering around the website, and not only is it harder for them, but it's harder for you in attribution terms. to Like, where did, they, where did the experience break? What was the exact thing? What was the message that was missing or that was present that stopped them from, from converting? So when you have a focused, dedicated landing page for your campaign, which is what landing pages should be for, it's a much simpler uh, task for them and also, if you have video there, there are less things competing with their attention, so they're more inclined to think that's a focal point and that they should watch the video. You, know, you can use directional cues to kind of lead people through your page. So they, information hierarchy is critical. Do you tell your story in the right order? That goes for video, that goes for the layout of your page. Um, when it's simple and people aren't having to you know, jump around to figure out the story, then you're, you're more likely to convert. Imagine you're watching a marketing video and you see your name appear on screen, your company logo on a coffee mug, your LinkedIn picture on the wall. It's not a gimmick. It's personalized video and it's changing the way you engage your audience one member at a time. For more info, visit thinkmojo.com forward slash make it personal. Thinkmojo, smart video for modern business. Well, that leads me to something that we talked about earlier um, and that 
that is, is there a difference how people interact when they come to a landing page on a smart device, a smartphone, a smaller screen versus the computer screen where, um, and, and we did a, we did a uh, podcast a while back and we talked about attention and it was an interesting fact that the larger the screen, the less attention that somebody had because there was more of a chance to be diverted and look someplace else. So if you watch a television, let's say from 10 feet, your attention is going to be the least, but that, that smartphone that's right in your face, right? it's right in your face. Um, and, and you're not going to be clicking some other thing. Mm-hmm. So the landing page, how does that work? Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, mobile has to be greatly simplified on uh, when it's on your phone. Um, you know that, that responsive was the you know the big deal, right? You've got to have responsive websites so that you get this nice mobile experience. But that's it's 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 utter garbage, really, as a concept. Because and, and the debate has flipped completely right now. People talking about adaptive design. We're going back to like M dot, like specific mobile experiences. Um, because you know the hype is kind of over, but which is why when we built it into the Unbounce platform, we did it differently. So, because the problem with responsive is it chooses the adventure for you. It wraps the mobile experience into a certain order based on how you coded your website, which can break the information hierarchy, which can take the most important piece of the messaging, maybe it's your video, and push it off the main screen. So people, you know, if you have a video and... 80% of content created in, in about, I think, three years from now is going to be video, some stat I saw at the conference. Um, so if you have a video to play on your phone, that has to be right there. Because you're right, when, and when you play it, that's all you can see. There's nothing else there. Um, the way we built it is you, you'll get a responsive version, but we allow you to reorder and hide, show and hide different parts of the mobile experience so you can customize it completely, which... So you see, get the best of both worlds. It's responsive, but it's also a specific experience. So that's that's why we chose that path because you know you can kind of see this this flip flop that's that's happening um, in the industry. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about your platform. We haven't talked about you know the Unbounce platform. Maybe this is a good opportunity you know to tell us of how how what things you've done that uh, you know from all the things that you've learned. And put that into play, and 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 how that makes things different from other landing pages out there. Yeah, I mean, so it's a landing page platform. Uh, the goal of it being to empower marketers to be able to do their own work. You know, so they're not relying on IT or dev. So it's very simple. There's lots of templates in there, um, over a hundred, and they're you know mobile responsive. They have their other view, and you can you can flip you can go between them in, in the builder. It's a drag and drop builder. It's super powerful. The difference between us and the rest, uh, for the most part, one of the key differences is that it's 100% customizable. You're not, you're not in this rigid template that you can't change. You can change every aspect of the page. You can make a pixel-perfect rendition of your Photoshop file or, or something so it's on brand. You know, it's really important that it looks like you. If, it, if you have a disparate visual experience, people are going to get a little bit confused as to what they're what they're doing and you can run A-B tests really simply and it's a one-click publish kind of thing. So that's what it's for. Um, and it's, it's just great because, you know, we couldn't survive without it internally because we use landing pages for everything. They're not just, 
you know, what you think. They're for marketing campaigns primarily, but you can use them for, we use it for our hiring. We use it for, if I'm giving away my slides at a, at a, when at a speaking gig, I'll point people to a landing page, which has the resources I discussed, the, the, my slides and all that kind of stuff. Um, you can use them for anything. And that's what we, we find. When you run it for a campaign, let's say it's for an ebook or a webinar, whatever it is, you then, once you've built that, you can test it and what have you. But once you've built that, next time it comes around, you just copy it and publish it again. You know, once you have this infrastructure built up where you've you've got your own templates created, marketing becomes so much simpler and faster. I think that's a good spot to uh, wind things down. Uh, we've been talking with Ali Gardner. He is the co-founder of Unbounce. We're going to have all of the things that uh, Ali mentioned about the Dervish and Clarity Score. We're going to detail all of that on the uh, show notes page. So make sure to go online and take a look at that. Speaking of which, uh, you can find our show notes page on our website at videomarketing20.net. You can also subscribe to this podcast and our monthly uh, newsletter there. Uh, and don't forget that you can also download or listen to previous episodes on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. Of course, we always appreciate any comments or ratings as this helps others discuss discover the podcast and join the exciting world of video marketing. So for Joel and myself, we want to thank you for listening and invite you to join us next time on Video Marketing 2.0. Thank you for listening to another episode of Video Marketing 2.0 presented by ThinkMojo. For more help on how to drive results with video, contact ThinkMojo, the video marketing experts at info at thinkmojo.com or visit thinkmojo.com for more information.